What's going on, everybody? You've got the card board coach here with your boy, Coach Coach. And team, we've got a very special guest on the podcast here today. He is in focused, <laughs> both visually and mentally. So we've got Dave from Sign and Slabbed. How are you doing today, man? Pretty good. How are you, Brendan? I am a little under the weather, but we're, we're fighting. We I had to do an emergency podcast with you. We've been talking about this for a while. And it's just continued to get worse and worse this weekend, I think. And so, ironically enough, a lot of the stuff that we're going to be talking about, it's both recent and yet deeply rooted in this hobby. And so that's one of the reasons why we wanted to have this conversation as a talking about new recent news, but also how, how this pertains to the health of this hobby, how this pertains to actions that have been taking place in this hobby for a, a while now. Um, you know, one of the first topics we're going to be covering is the bounties. And now one of the reasons why we're going to be covering this topic is because recently the Babe Ruth Superfractor Retrofractor, one of one out of 2023 Bowman Chrome was hit literally this morning. We're recording on a Sunday. Um, by a smaller breaker. So for anyone who thought that, you know, these breakers that are <laughs> in Fanatics pockets are they have, we have loaded boxes. We have at least one example of the conspiracy theory yes. not working. That's correct. Now, yes. whether or not that would be enough to make that stop permanently, I don't know. But That's we, true. we do have an example. <laughs> well, I mean, it would make sense that they hit it on the app, though, right? Because even yesterday, yeah. Fanatics offered a $15,000 bounty on top of the $200,000 bounty that was already present by David Adams Yeah. if someone were to hit it on the Fanatics Live website, right? So yeah. Pops also had their rip day yesterday. So it was like there was all this incentive for everyone to go nuts on Bowman Chrome. The, that, that super fractor was still out in the wild, and there were two active bounties on it. And that's why I'm like, if if they were giving loaded boxes away, they wouldn't be giving it to a guy with like a YouTube channel who was like, <laughs> you know, like, you know, like, I, yeah. the fact that it broke at like 2 a.m. Like, we don't even know yeah. like how soon after yeah. like everyone got that information out. You know, like yeah. they, people anyway, want to them, advertise like, it right away. Yeah, I mean, good for them. I hopefully they're able to sort of capitalize on that and maybe be able to right move things along. Um, We'll see, but good hope, for them. I hope so too. One of the things you and I were talking about, though, before we jumped on, was the fact that if we take a step back here and we we ask ourselves, why is this card? Why does this card have a two hundred thousand dollar bounty on it? This is a Babe Ruth card that it's not like it's the only Babe Ruth one of one in existence because they've printed a few of these now. I think one. I think a few through Prism um have been printed yeah you know what i mean and there's a yep. national one of one as well if i'm not mistaken from like 2016 i think that's right now some could argue that this is their first like the first bowman first prospect <laughs> card but i mean it really doesn't have a ton of relevance because this this is a hundred years later and if you were actually going to line that two hundred thousand dollar price tag up without even adding that extra 15 on top, because that at one point was was the bounty, you would have to get over a PSA 7, and this is something that you pointed out, was over a PSA 7 33 Gaudi 
And that's probably Babe Ruth's most popular card, most popular card, most recognizable card, the card that most people desire when they're looking for a Babe Ruth card. You would have to get over a PSA seven in order yeah, to, we, to hit that. We looked, tag. we looked them up and because we were like, what are the what are sort of what's the most recognizable Ruth? And then he has four cards in the 33 Gaudi set. Um, kind of three different colors, like a red, a green, and a yellow. They're like portraits. And then there's the there's the multicolor where he's like he has a bat sort of standing um at the plate. And so you know, we went and looked because we're like, okay, let's check this out. And yeah, P- PSA sevens of those cards, m- most of them are selling anywhere from maybe eighty to a hundred thousand dollars, maybe a little bit more right now. And so you have to, you've got to move from a seven to an eight to get to $200,000 level. And then, then the other ones that I looked at, and because we talked about this a little, was like, what were some of his other cards? And so he had, he's got like a 1914 Baltimore news that that's really a, a very, very rare card. And, and, you know, it would command a price like that. Then he's got like E-135s and E-121s. These are like your caramel series sort of rookie cards. But again, on those, I mean, just a just like a, a one or a two is not going to be at that sort of price level. Yeah. And, and those cards are are still very, very rare. They're over 100 years old. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think it what it sort of demonstrates to me is the idea that this one-of-one concept, particularly what's being advertised as a first-ever one-of-one in this product, that marketing ploy is at some level working to move product. Because I don't think... I don't think at any level, I think if that, and, and listen, we may find out, Brendan, right? Because as and when the bounty is paid to get this thing, I think there's no chance that it sells for anything near $200,000 if it came to open auction. Well, it, this all started because of the triple logo man. This all started right. because of Finney's triple logo man. They they made a LeBron card that in you know like in 2022 that was the first yeah. of its kind, right? Yeah. Like yes, first of its kind. It's a yeah, ultra modern it. card. It's these first concepts that where they're but like how many logo man of... does LeBron James have, right? But it was like the first time there, right. was, there was one of like there was three was of like, them. There's three of them. It was like, it was his LA right. jersey, it was his Cleveland jersey, and it was his Miami Heat jersey. And because this is the only one of this one. There might be a few other ones that are like similar, but it's the only one of this one. And that's why all these products should sell for crazy amounts of money. Right. And then now we're starting to, I mean, especially with fanatics coming in and, and having marketing being their biggest, you know, one of the things that Michael Rubin said before jumping into this hobby or when he initially purchased fanatics was that this hobby has done so great without any marketing. And that was going to change right. because I mean, obviously the people that he knows and the exposure that he has and, and the different yeah. connections that he has and, but but, and, the money, yeah, the and the money that he has. Right? Yeah. But, the, and, then the, but the fundamental question becomes is, is a bounty really marketing? It may be a marketing expense, 
but I don't, I'm not, I don't know about you. I, I'm, I'm not only not confident, I'm skeptical that that sort of scheme is bringing anyone new into the hobby because yeah. it's a lottery ticket. Well, like what happens when the bounties stop or like, is, is, does the well, money, pr- does the money right. printer, like do, does the money printer just have enough money to keep offering up bounties? Like, and, 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 and that's something I think we could get into because I, it was something that I looked at. Right? So, like, you know what? Yeah. One of the questions that, one of the questions that we think is out there is who's, uh, who is authentically underwriting all of this? Meaning, you know, do we, do we, do we know for a fact, for instance, that blowouts, $200,000 bounty isn't, isn't underwritten in some way by tops? I mean, I, I, as we don't know this. And so oh, I, of course not. You're without right. any evidence, You're right. we have to assume You're right. that it is just coming from them. But yeah. I, I think it's a fair question to ask. Is, is there some other sort of incentive program that may exist specifically for blowout from tops that would allow them to maybe pull some of that back later on. I don't know. But well they've again, definitely acknowledged that that bounty's out there, right? And they've like yeah, they've yes, done they've, yeah. they've promoted with it several times, yes, right? Yes. So, and so I mean you know look when you when you break down the math of it, you know, two hundred these cases are selling for about three hundred thirty five hundred a case. So a little less than three hundred dollars a box. There's twelve twelve boxes in a case yeah so just for simple math if we assume that they're making that the sellers of of these you know direct from tops are making 50 percent margin which would be a lot right at a 50 percent margin blowouts got to sell 114 cases nearly 1400 boxes at that price just to pay for that card. I don't think it's a lot. Well, I don't think it's a ton, but I also think that 50% is probably not the right cost. No, you're here, right. right. But like how so, many, so how many really cases more than do that. we think that they're actually selling? Yeah, like, I mean, Brendan, if, it's, if that's approaching, say, 200 cases, how many is that of the allocation that Blowout gets? And like how many cases are out there and that and again that's a question where and we'll talk about it a little bit later but i think there are a lot of collectors out there that are that are interested in what these print runs really are how much of this product really exists because you have to try to re-engineer it based on what you can tell from like the pack odds on the yeah. back yeah. which is which feels like a kind of sneaky way to kind of it feels like feels to me like somebody talked to a lawyer and is like What's the what's the most indirect way that we could indicate? To tell you how much how many packs we made, yeah. and they're like, yeah. oh well, just put some weird stuff on the back, and like yeah. where you gotta have a magnifying glass to even even read it. Yeah, and, and then, a PhD in math in order to decipher. You put a put a checklist out there yeah. somewhere that's not even on your site, and like you know, some dork will sit down and calculate it, but no one's really gonna look at it or care. Um, and so to me, it's just, what I believe it's actually evidence of is for sure how much money some of these places are making and some of the financial incentive that they have to try to push things this way. But I, yeah. I you know, I think most people are going to agree bounties are really a, a temporary sort of short term 
push. And, you know, as Seablas uh, said today, now that the big card is out of there, and I think... But it's not as, even that it. It's not even over, though, because... Yeah, well, they, no, because as... And, and we'll, we can like, touch... We'll, we'll probably touch, transition yeah, right yeah, into this. Yes, as yeah. the super fractors yeah. start getting picked off, I think you're going to see a total collapse in the price of those boxes. So in a weird way, I'm not sure the bounty worked because that product has barely been out, what, a little over a week? Omicron? I think, right? Two weeks? I think a little bit longer than that, yeah. At least a month, I think. No, because they hit those those dupe one-of-ones on like the first or second day. Like two weeks ago, at least. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So I mean, that's what, not a very long time to open. No, the product, I, I, right? I know, I know, I know. I, so what Dave is referring to, and if you guys haven't checked this out, I would highly recommend. I mean, we'll give you a synopsis right now, but there are tons of videos on these. But Tops was there were seven, as many as seven duplicate one of one superfractors that have been surfaced online, and there were a plethora of different scenarios in which. Someone had just pulled one and someone was on one of them was on eBay. And we're actually going to touch on one of those stories as well, because it's honestly kind of fucked, not kind of fucked up. It is fucked up. And um, we're going to talk a little bit about etiquette in, in a situation like that. But so finally, after, let's say, two weeks of these things surfacing one day, two days in between. Seven of them surface. Tops puts out a press release on Friday night. Friday night. Uh, stating that they're acknowledging that there are duplicate one of ones. There are as many as 95 duplicate one of ones and that they have offered a superfractor buyback program on their website. And you can touch upon on, uh, you can touch upon the fact that it's not very visible <laughs> because you tried to look for it. But there are superfractors that they're willing to buy back at crazy costs including an Ethan Salas, which is apparently the top prospect in this class. Uh, the price tag for that buyback is $75,000. And yep. I'm, Bill and I were talking about this. Um, you know, I can't remember the last time a catching, a, ca- a, a catcher card sold for over, for $75,000, much less a prospect bought back their one of two superfractor for $75,000. There was a few things wrong with this. One. Yeah, I know. It's not two. It's definitely only one. Yeah. There are a few things wrong with this buyback program. The first is the fact that basically what happens is the first person to claim, claim their prize. And we're going to yeah. this, lump this into the bounties because the first person who claims their prize gets the 3000 or the 5000 or the 11000 or the $75,000 yeah. and whoever and the other person is left with the card. Now, yeah. the question to you is if Tops just paid $75,000 to get this card off the streets, what does that make that other card worth? Yeah, and I I think we've got I think we've seen some indication Right. So the, the bounties overall range from three thousand to seventy five thousand. Yeah. And and you know, I did a little bit of math on this. Uh as when as of when I did this this morning, four had been claimed. So there were still ninety-one out there available for a total of six hundred and eighty-seven thousand five hundred dollars, 
which puts your average at, at around $7,200 a part. Now, those four, um, I was able to actually track the sale of them on eBay, and or three of the four, and they ranged anywhere from just under $300 up to like $1,800. So there are definitely instances where the buyback program is is at 10x of what the market was assuming the price of the card to be based on open auction let you know just over a week ago or a week and a half ago yeah and so you know one of the things that i was going to say here is like and i don't i don't like really always giving people advice but this is some advice i think you you absolutely should take to the bank if you have one of these cards you need to be running online as fast as you can yes to get that thing in there and claimed because you, you know are will there be instances later on where one of these guys is actually worth more than the three thousand or the five thousand? See, Brendan, I, I think that the on ninety five guys, the chances that one of them at least is going to happen probably, probably, probably but one I, of them, one of them. And, but it's what right I said there. to Jeremy Lee. Yeah. I, good luck picking who that is. Yeah. yeah. So you know, I think you need to run to the bank and get your money. Because these cards will never be worth that much. and But it, it, it raises the question and the issue that you alluded to, which was we're, we've, we've now pit collectors against each other in a race to go get these funds. And well, so in a race to get else, rid of their card, though. Like, yeah, it's, it's literally a race to get hits, rid of it. Whoever hits the other one. Like, will they be in a better position? Because I guess that'll be the only one. Sure. But again, before we even knew that this had happened, those things weren't worth, They uh, most of them weren't worth that much in the first place. Now, you know, Tops did this on purpose, I'm sure, because they need enough financial incentive for people to really get it done. But, it, I, and again, if you think about it, though, Tops is sort of on the hook, assuming everyone sends it in for $700,000. And and like I guys, I understand that when you put it put that in the fanatics concept, that's not really a lot of money. But I think when you put it in the concept of how much money they actually make on some of these different products, like that's a substantial piece of what would have otherwise been profit. And, and, but well, especially there, because no I mean, they have, uh, they have autographs, right? There are athletes signing autographs and anytime you have athletes signing autographs, it costs money, yeah. right? Like that, I mean, we, it's not just the printing videos. process. We had seen some videos of guys who did that and they were like getting paid anywhere from two to $5 an autograph. But, but, but the it point still adds still to, I mean, how many base autographs are now? I mean, if print runs are, are up exponentially, then you got to assume that base autographs as yeah. well follow that, right? Because they, ha- they have to have a certain number of like base n- n- base autographs yeah. in, in the entirety of the product, right? So, yeah. at, at, you know, even at $2 per, they're still cutting into your, yeah. I mean, but five again, autographs per remains, box. Like if, if you've hit this thing, if you've hit, if you've got any of these, you need to be rushing to the internet and rushing to the post office and send that thing in as fast as you can to make sure you get your check. Well, which we have a good example. Yes, yes, we <laughs> do. Discuss. 
Yes. I mean, you were just you were just mentioning the post office. Well, turns out a gentleman on eBay uh, sold the Rainer Arias Superfractor. He is a San Francisco Giants prospect. I'm fairly certain I got all of that right. He sold it. He, it was an originally on auction. Starting price was $14.99, I believe. Guy reached out to him, said, you know, what, what are you looking for for this card? And uh, he said he will be willing to take $2,000. So if you go on 130 point, you're able to see the comp for 2000 bucks. Guy accepted the offer. Funds were transferred. Guy shipped the card. Tracked, obviously. Now that card had to go through eBay authentication. So it was on its way there. Then the this this happened on the twenty eighth, I believe. So September twenty eighth, I think this was the Thursday. And, and to be clear, everyone, this is the story that's yes. been told. We that's don't, correct. That's we, correct. It, that's, it, this, it, this, it and one version of us, we can't. Yes. Yes. The only well, the only thing that we believe we can substantiate is we is that there is evidence at eBay that this card had had an offer accepted. That's correct. It appears in the sold and the tracking. The, there's tracking number, and then it was intercepted yeah. Yeah. it was actually intercepted and there's a visual of, of this card being intercepted um <laughs> after the twenty five thousand dollar bounty was announced so this card personally had a twenty five thousand dollar bounty it's assumed that the seller the original seller of this card realized that there was a twenty five thousand dollar bounty on it a day later after shipping it intercepted the package and has seemingly gone dark uh towards the the new buyer let's call him or the or or she or he or well uh, them to the rightful owner assuming That's that correct. he did actually pay for it well it's paid for i mean it, it's it's registered in the system it's you know what i mean like I, all appearances are that this has been paid for that's insurance. correct that's correct and so you know there was a lot of people talking about the fact that they would do something like this. And it really got you and I heated. Uh, you were kind of riled up already. Like that was like my last straw, truthfully, because you had a deal. The deal was you're selling this car for 2000 bucks. That's yep. that's what you agreed to, regardless of what the price is tomorrow. You know, you had a deal in place. If you were making this deal at a card show and you sold this to somebody, and they walked out of that card show with the card. The price tomorrow doesn't fucking matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't fucking matter what that price there's, is tomorrow. Even if you had the opportunity to steal it back from that guy's car tomorrow <laughs> at 12 times, are you telling me that you fuckers would go do that? That's crazy. There are people who are saying they would. Because <laughs> that's what you're doing, right? You're committing mail fraud. You 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 ripped someone that package was not addressed to you, okay? And you intercepted it. And uh, now assuming that this is what exactly what happened, okay? But we're we're yeah. we are speaking under the, the pretenses that it did, and yeah. and based on the response of other people saying that, yeah, of course. Oh, if it went if I sold a two thousand dollar car for twenty-five and it was actually two twenty-five thousand dollars the next day, yeah, I would do the same thing. There is more than an insignificant portion of the hobby who thinks that canceling this sale is perfectly fine and i'm the Especially reason i'm after laughing you ship it, it after you I, ship I it i'm laughing about it because 
I don't want to cry over how unethical even suggesting this is. So, but again, it's it's in, it's indicative of what some of these types of financial incentives will do. I think it's not a debate any longer that this has pit people against each other. And I suspect on this one that this isn't just gonna go away because we're talking about a more than $20,000 potential uh, value of the item based on a price that Tops has published publicly yes. on the internet. Now, what, what to me is even more fascinating though is can someone hit the other one I know. before this this oh. little deal. Then there, then there'd, there'd be a there'd be there'd be a whole triangle. <laughs> well, I wonder so, what's going to happen, so, right? I mean, because there was enough buzz that, like, I mean, you got to assume that someone either, I mean, hope at someone either eBay or Tops gets wind of this story, and like once it gets submitted, it's kind of like, all right, like talk to me about what happened here. You know what I mean? Like, and I don't know what the solution is because yeah. I, I'm sure it's like. He said, she said, but at the end of the day, I mean, there's some pretty cold, hard facts. And like, if you sold this card, that, that's it. This, this card is sold. Right. Okay. Period. Card is sold. Yeah. Doesn't matter how much it went. It doesn't matter if it went up to a million dollars tomorrow. Okay. I mean, obviously that's a big stretch, but still, I mean, at the end of the day, you agreed to sell your card at this price. And regardless of what the price becomes tomorrow, regardless if you, if you somehow have access to it and you shouldn't the next day, like, is that what we're saying? That like if I'm if I have access to it the next day, then like meh, not no, no, I'm cool now. It's mine. Hey bro, trades these trades these Here's your two grand. You know, and that and that's just one yeah. instance. It's one instance. Say, so. Before before we before we we come off this topic, I think that the best way, I think the top should have advertised that there was seven hundred thousand dollars in buybacks, but I don't think they should have posted the individual like the number for each individual card. I think that the minute you give people like a specific number, like then they think that they have that number because otherwise right. it's like a crap shoot, right? It's like, right. I wonder what you get, right? Right. Chances are if that guy, and like we didn't know what the bounties were and you say like they ranged from 2,000 bucks to 75,000 bucks. 3,000 okay. So, So if you Overwhelming say- Overwhelming majority of them are three to Chances five. are that guy's not stealing back that package for an extra thousand bucks though, right? right? Like- Right. It's, so- I think that, and, and in fairness, I mean, this was, this was their damage control. This was, this was their, their attempt to show everyone that they're for the hobby. But it clearly, Brendan, it wasn't that well thought out. And, and so like one thing I did want to read real quickly, because, you know, and and I'm going to pick on these guys because I know that they can take it, but they weren't the only ones that posted something like this. So these, you, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the other talking heads in the hobby, when this happened, you know, put out these flowery way to go tops things, even though they didn't want to, they won't say anything particularly critical of them for having this occur in the first place, which yes. is really, which is really a, a completely other topic of conversation. But the guys at Sports Card Nonsense put it out and they said, obviously a bad situation, but I'm happy it's being addressed directly and seems like the owners will be compensated. Curious to hear the exact details about that but it's a good start and i commented in their thread and they actually they liked it although they may just like everything 
Uh, I, I said this was going to pit collectors against each other, and that was the main reason that I didn't like it because it it creates this rush to the bank in a sense. And so, what about the person that hits the other one? What sort of where's their compensation in all this? Because and we're drawing the conclusion that well, what if the, oh, what if it's they well, them owning the car. Yes, yes. And so we we've, we've entered this weird like time right. frame yeah. of where. And, and and people, I think, are missing that in terms of, again, how these sorts of buyback things yes. work. They give off this appearance of the value of getting it as fast as you can, right? Not understanding that, again, Brendan, we had evidence of cards that sold before this that, that were subject to it, selling it one-tenth of what the ultimate bounty price yeah. was. So what do you think the new ones are going to be? Well, the point being, these bounties aren't setting any sort of realistic market. Well, because who's going to pay that price? Like, like Not later. No, no, no one's, one's, no one's paying that price, right? Like, And it's you, you and, can't use and that as a comp. just the like, fear of, of, like, you know, are these things... I mean, it's top, hopefully Tops will do some sort of video I, or something. I agree with you. Like I agree a, with you. A bonfire, right? I agree with you because, like, at the end of the day, you can't unsee the fact that there's two of them, right? right. Like, and you know that there's why two. we would want them to do that, yeah. yeah. as we've discussed. Yeah. If you go onto the Tops website to try to locate this bounty program, it, to me, appears impossible to find. I've done because it's not on the front page of the tops.com site. It, it's buried behind a tops.com slash pages slash Bowman buyback. So you can find it if you yeah. Google. Now, as far as we can tell, they had done sort of this press release and they did do the, the Instagram story post that issued the statement and had the link and, the, stories, and, the, and the tweet as well yeah and so but yeah. stories roll off of instagram in 24 hours when you go to their instagram page there's no post about it yeah. so the only in, permanent in sense, post is the one on on twitter or on apps, twitter or okay so so in a sense yeah. you know tops yes tops addressed it but then in light of rip night coming up they kind of ripped it out of the public's view and so if you didn't kind of catch on to it quickly if you're not on twitter and you're not at a card show with people talking about it and again i would argue that there's a significant portion of the hobby that's involved in this stuff that yeah, doesn't keep that sort of news yeah yeah, yeah, yeah i think there's course. still a bunch of people who don't even know about it yeah yeah so again if they really yeah. dealt with it I mean, not not in my opinion in a public enough fashion to really address it. And so there there's multiple issues in my mind of how this was handled. I, and and you know, all we can hope is that we don't land in a situation like this again. I was just about to say, I'm like, unfortunately, you only have one shot at like getting this right. Right. Because I really hope this doesn't happen again. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, because like the next yeah. time, like it's like a legit problem, and like now you're losing. Like that, like then you yeah. know you're you're selling product. Like now you know yeah. that this is like a just putting out ninety five bounties is a great way to, and I'm sure it was a great way when it was announced. Yeah, to, to sell a ton of product, a yeah. ton of product ahead of uh, Rip Night. You know, a ton of product ahead of 
they had an early morning chase on Saturday morning for the the, the Babe Ruth Superfractor yeah. on their Fanatics Live site. They even paid for advertising on, on a popular Instagram page called Wasted. Right. It was 10, 10 million followers and various different subject matters. But I was like, what the hell are sports cards doing here? And I was like, yeah. So there was definitely ample incentive to, you know, sell boxes this weekend. Right. And conveniently enough, the Babe Ruth was pulled. Uh, I mean, they don't have to pay that out to, to our knowledge. So it's a win-win, 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 win for them right now. Uh, what I do want to talk about, and it, it, it's on the same side as like the integrity thing. And, and it was another instance where you and I were shaking our heads and being like, what the fuck is going on right now? There was an incident where Shyway Vlogs, uh, there was a Reddit post about him shilling his cards and buying them back. Buying them back. Okay. Right. Let's winning some of them. So I guess shilling them enough to win and, and then buying them back. Okay, and I put buying it back in in quotations because that's how some people frame this as just buying your cards back. Okay, now there was a lot of people. First of all, I think it was like mustard. His name was Mustard Cards, the one that 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 broke this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and what they did was they found on eBay that the the same seller that ha- that was buying these cards and that was bidding on these cards, and they tracked that seller and some of their purchases and. They ended up seeing that that seller was posting on Instagram and it happened to be him. And I mean, it's actually it's fantastic investigative journalism, but I digress. So the big issue here was obviously the shill. The fact that you were bidding up cards. And I should also mention that he sent these cards to a consigner and that consigner sold through eBay. So he was privately bidding up the cards that he had sent to a consigner. Um, now, his justification in doing so was that the cards were too low based on his own perceived value of the cards, and that for those prices, he would just buy them back. Despite initially saying that he had he had gone through tough, like rough financial times and and needed the money, um, you know, maybe obviously not not enough to sell them at 50% comps or whatever the comp is. You were very adamant in in making sure that people were well aware that shilling of any kind is unacceptable. Okay, you you can't you can't say you're going to sell something, and this is the second time we're talking about this now. Second instance where you said you're going to sell something, and you said actually, you know what, price has changed. I'm taking it back. Right. Both of those scenarios, they're they're both different scenarios, obviously. Right. right. But yeah. once you offer, once something is for sale at auction, it is no longer yours. It's gone. It's to whoever wins it. Right. It should be gone. Well, it should be to someone else. You're, you've sold it. It's gone. It's, it's gone to someone else. You, yeah. You, you've agreed to let it go. Yes. I'm not aware of any consignment house or auction house that in their standard terms and conditions say it's fine if you want to bid on your own submitted items to the auction. I, if, if someone can find me that somewhere, let me know. I, I don't believe they exist any, I don't, I don't believe they exist because if, if any auction house had that, they'd pretty much be out of business. A hundred percent. So, you know, look, yeah, I, 
I've made a big deal out of that, out of this in particular, because I think it's I, it's something that's, that is absolutely widespread in the hobby. We're all aware that this goes on. I think that we, I think that sometimes we've convinced ourselves that there's actually more of it than there realistically is. I, I my my honest belief is that there are not a ton of people out there, for instance, shill bidding 1996 tops Kobe Bryant PSA sevens, right? It, 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 there are certain types of cards and there are certain types of unethical individuals where this activity is pretty concentrated. But I, I you know, it, it was interesting, Brendan, because again, we still have a, what I would call more than an insignificant component of the hobby that thinks this is okay. Like I saw a couple of guys that did put some polls on their Instagram that were coming back at, you know, 10 to 15% and sometimes a little higher thinking that this activity was okay. And, and, and to be and fair, to me, they were framing it as buying your cards back. Yeah, they're, they're right? framing it as buying your card back. It's not buying your card back. It's paying a consignment fee not to sell your card or what some people might call a dumbass tax. <laughs> to, borrow, to borrow a phrase from who you know is one of my favorite guys, Red Foreman from yeah. the 70s show. It's a dumbass tax. Now, it's completely unethical to do this. Uh, there should be no question about that. And I've said, if you don't agree with me, please let me know so that you can raise your hand in front of the hobby and let everyone know that you are a cheat. Because that's what happened. People got cheated. They got yeah. cheated of dollars and they got cheated of cards. Yep. And so that. Yeah. It's like absolutely even if, wrong. Even if it's fifty percent of what you think yeah. the value is, first of all, yeah, and so the, again, the market pays it, what the market pays for it, right? So right. That was regardless the quote of we, regardless of what you we think, heard, like yeah. regardless you know, of what you think this card is worth, I could think this card is worth six hundred bucks. If you think it's worth six hundred bucks, put it best offer OBO and yeah. let someone pay six hundred bucks. Leave yeah, it up the, there. The quote, for, leave the it up there for six months. Leave it up there for a year until someone buys it, right? Like the, the quote that it surfaced was. Quote, so buying cards at half off is shilling. And the answer to that answer to that question is no, it's not shilling. Bidding on your own cards is shilling. That's why there's a word for it. And shilling is unethical. It is it, it violates every auction house's policies. And I don't like I'm not interested in the I'm not it's not it's not illegal, legal nope. it's not illegal. Yeah. whether it's That's... illegal here or there or wherever it's wrong and yes do i understand that it happens a lot in the hobby of course i do and one of the reasons this happens is the consignment shops for the most part don't really have the available tools that they need this is per this is particularly true um, at eBay, yeah. and all the cons it, it, from my understanding, the people I've talked to that own consignment shops, they don't really have the ability to block certain bidders yeah. from a component of the listings the way that some of the other auction houses do. So, like yeah. I, I do a lot of business like at Golden 
at Heritage, at PWCC, at Robert Edwards Auctions. All those places have the technology built into their system to yeah. know when I've submitted something for auction that to to that prohibits me from bidding on it. And I, yeah. like I've tested it before because I was I started wondering like you know does it really recognize me? And all all of them do in their own way. And so to me, it's sort of curious that these companies can do that, but the biggest auction platform in the world can't give their consignment guys the the ability to do that. So like, does that make sense? So the technology doesn't. Yeah, because I was going to say that like that that transaction doesn't take place through eBay, right? Like the the me giving you my cards to sell doesn't go through eBay. So there wouldn't be a paper trail through eBay to be like, oh, you've gifted the, unless it was maybe from like an eBay vault. You know what I mean? Like, they, like I can see yeah. how they could do that. Like maybe if they I'm, if I'm transferring that my way, stuff but... to your vault and then like you can right. sell it from my vault. You know what I mean? Like then yeah. it'd be a little bit easier to trace that lineage and be like, okay, this came from this vault and there wasn't a dollar value attached to it. Right. Then right. that means that this person is selling it. You know what I mean? Like, so, yeah, but, but listen, I agree with you, but I think the, the technology is not there. That's what you're saying. We got to, yeah. the technology exists. Yeah, yeah. well, it's, not it's, at eBay. eBay, well, it, it still exists. eBay's just not chosen not to implement it. Okay. And so, where the conversation then sort of runs is, well, you people could just have another account. And it, to which I've countered every time, well, We've heard that forever. The well, you just go sign an, up another account. Well, if all of these auction houses, at some level or another, would implement some level of identity verification, which we know is technology that exists in the rest of, of the world, of course, if they would implement that, that absolutely would cut it down. You couldn't, you and I can't, I can't just go out there and all of a sudden have a different name but like the same address and same social or or same you know, bank accounts you know what i mean yeah, like, like there yeah. are things, there are ways to to it essentially would require that shilling process to become a lot more sophisticated yeah. than it has to be now yeah. and just by very fact of it requiring that actually cuts down the activity to For a great sure. degree in my yeah. opinion but again the conversation always focuses on well it's all the ideas of how people would get around any sort of roadblock we put in. And it, and it ultimately ends with, well, gosh, because I can't think of all that stuff, then I just won't do anything. Right. So, and I think that that's a problem. And again, I, my hope is that, you know, collectively we've all got to complain about it enough in an effort to help some of these consignment shops, because believe me, like the, the, the guys that quit consign, which was the consigner where this happened to that they, they're not happy about it, yeah. right? I, I talk to them and I know they're not happy that this happens because there's an indirect spill out onto them for something that realistically, again, they didn't, they, they're not given the sorts of tools and or other things to, to be able to try and control it. And so, uh, you know, that that's something that I think needs a lot more investment from the hobby that's beneficial outside of just the sports cards world. It's any sort of, auction environment right yeah yeah now what we've also heard is you know we we have a we have a nearly unending stream of people that are saying well you know i know people who do it so some of some folks are using that as sort of the justification of why maybe this was sort of okay 
and it, you know, this is like the steroids era in baseball. It's like, well, if everybody else is shooting up, I guess I should too. Even even though you're just, again, you're just cheating everyone by doing that. And so, you know, my question then becomes, like, at what point are people going to get sick enough of it to start putting the names out there and putting the accusations out there? Right. Or is it just subject to this type of. But what if it's all just work? what if it's all just the house of cards, though? Right. Like, well, and if, again, that's the know, fear. That's if, the fear that exists. Yeah. My counter to that is like, Brendan, there's been a hobby forever. No, no, no. So for sure. It, for sure. Are for we sure. just we're just no, we're drunk still from 2021. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Hoping that everything even, can go yeah. back there yeah. because it was just easy flowing money. And the fact is. These things had all kind of existed before that. They still exist now. All Everything we look at tells us, or I think pretty well indicates why the run-up had happened, because it wasn't just exclusive to this hobby. It, it was out there for everything. Across People the were stuck at home. Yeah. They were bored, yeah. and they were a lot of them were getting free money yeah. from the government that they, they wanted to do, do spend it on something that made them feel better. And this, along with several other places, became the location for those types of. Well, there was also just a massive nostalgia push. Like even if you look at the types of, if you look at the types of movies that have come out in the last like two, three, four years, yeah, like you're seeing yeah. like like all remakes, Little Mermaid, <laughs> uh, Beasties, like you know what I mean, like yeah, all yeah. like they're all old nostalgic remakes, right? Like yeah. that's kind of like Barbie, like all things that like resonated with a certain type of person 20 or 30 years ago right so yeah it's yeah. that's fair there's a whole, a whole nostalgic push you're right people were at home they were spending money money that truthfully wasn't theirs and is slowly getting clawed back <laughs> but, but um yeah it, it's just i don't know i think that that the fear of a lot of people is probably like this is just the house of cards potentially and like once you know all these things start start actually becoming implemented like you know what is a what is a PSA 10 Luca actually worth? You know what I mean? Right. Like what is a, what is a. Any uh, Trey Young will actually worth. Yeah. Like uh, what is, I mean, I know Ronald could have had a massive thing, Brendan, season. But... Here's the thing, Brendan. I think that ultimate truth in pricing and truth in the auctions will actually has the opposite effect of what people think. Because I, I believe it actually spurs additional commerce because the confidence level goes up. Yeah. I think we still have quite a bit of restricted commerce in our space, partly because people are unwilling to take losses. That's obviously a big part of it. But there are a lot of people that we've, and we see this in a lot of the polls, they don't, they don't necessarily bid at some of these other auction houses because they, they're not, they're not confident in the knowledge that they're not necessarily getting shilled. There are people that I know on eBay that won't bid with some of the consignment shops at all for that very reason. And again, in my mind, that's limiting commerce. I, otherwise think, it, I think one I won't go near. If, right, if your confidence level was higher. And so that's why I think that there needs to be a big push around it because the, the more confident people are in the comps that they're seeing and knowing that they're that they are really real, and it doesn't matter whether it went to a collector, or a flipper, or an investor. The point being just that they're confident that it did get paid for, right? 
which is why the big push, obviously, so that, at eBay a, and there's, there's a reason why there's a 70%, to make sure it gets paid for, yeah, right? And there's a huge push. I mean, there's a reason why people buy at 70% comps because, like, there's, yeah. there's just, like, no – and it's not because, like, I need room. I think it's, I think it's truly because, like, buyer confidence. I think that a lot yeah. of people, they just don't feel confident paying – it's confidence. Like it, it, it's the combination of yeah. fees too, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Like but I also just don't think. Like, yeah, but think about how many additional fees that don't get logged on that actual on yeah. on that, yeah. right? Yeah. So they yeah. don't they yeah. don't they don't account for tax, They'll especially tax, here, shipping, and then that. shipping, right? And that like realistically, I should be adding that. So like that number should be even higher, not less. I shouldn't right. be buying at seventy percent less than that, right? right. I think the seventy percent right. thing comes from the fact that a lot of people are not confident that the eBay comps are solid, right? Yeah. A lot of people are probably like, man, that's, uh, yeah, it's yeah. sold on eBay for that, but I can't get that here, right? Yeah. And why is that? Why is it that before, Beckett, you could take a Beckett magazine around and sell something at, at the price for a Beckett magazine re relatively easily, right? You didn't have to say, hey, I'm buying at 80 or 70% of the Beckett magazine. You're like, no, this is the price, right? Like, yeah. obviously yeah. there's like some negotiation room there, but people were pretty like, yeah, I'm cool with paying that price because that's the price. But that, yeah. there's not that same level of confidence when, when it comes to an eBay comp. Right. Well, any comp. Yeah. Well, are, in my opinion, because again, that's you know, correct. we know for sure right. in tons of instances that if you just go look at cards that have been auctioned off over and over, I mean, are we are we are we confident that when something gets list, relisted at PWCC, it's because someone's taking an immediate L, or is it really because they didn't get paid for? I'm just using PWCC. No, oh, yeah, of course. Like yeah. non-pays happen at all the auction houses, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, it, I'm sure Golden has had them more than likely because again, we've seen the same card sort of hit in such short time frame that it was indicative that you know it was it was really a non-pay. So yeah. anyway, I, I mean, look, I think we. We we've I think we've clearly established that this practice is unethical. It demonstrates a big lack of character. And I'm gonna go so far as to the extent that anyone else out there is trying to defend or rationalize this practice, you, you know, you're you are also demonstrating your lack of character by trying to defend it. So like just don't hear what people are saying yeah. and, and stop doing it because yeah. if you get caught there are some level of consequences and i think it's worth spending a few minutes though talking about that right because brendan we'd seen i i don't know about you i'd seen a couple of other posts and polls that were kind of you know sort of feeling sorry for what had happened to him here and so you know one of the things that i felt like was important to point out is you know what 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 really were the consequences because I, I had a couple of people that had said you know well he he sort of lost his job with fund your car yeah yeah and you know that's true mark mark made it yes. very clear that he cut ties that he wasn't involved anymore but but guys i mean ask yourself the question why, why is that not actually the rightful outcome here you know he he impaired the goodwill and brought questions about standard business practice you know that that fell over onto his business partner right so like to me that was sort of a rightful outcome i mean put yourself in it put it in a just slightly different situation because I think we're we're saying he he essentially stole 
So, I mean, yeah. Brendan, if you were working for a, a, a another company out there and, and you stole something from them, whether it was money or uh, or whatever. Cleaning right? supplies. Or, I mean, as far know, as like... we, well, but again, as far as we know, he hasn't been charged with a theft. Like, if you did that, if you stole money from a company that you worked for, Fair. you'd absolutely be, be potentially catching charges of theft and being arrested like that hasn't happened um we didn't we haven't kicked him out of the hobby for for what we know to this point he he is elected to leave to take care of some personal issues and not like i applaud him for that it, right i hope he can i hope he seeks and gets some of the help that he feels like he needs because i and i i hope that his friends support him in that yeah. Right. There's, there's been a lot of conversation about compassion. And, and, and again, that I have compassion for the individual that, that hopefully he, you know, he's been, he made a mistake and can get the help that he needs. And I think there are people that are close around him that can hopefully help push him to do that. But again, we didn't, no one's kicked him out. I mean, there's no like, we, there's no hobby membership card that we're all yeah. waving around. Yeah, there yeah. wasn't a, yeah. we're, we're not members of the yeah. hobby trading card club at Augusta here. I mean, if he wanted to stick around, none of us can stop him. But no. are there people that would decide maybe they don't want to do business with him? Yes, there For are. Sure. And yeah. there should be, right? There absolutely should be. And so, you, you know, to me that there, there's a limit to i think or or it's maybe the better way to say it brendan is it's awkward to me the level of sort of feel bad for someone that was cheating other people and and yeah. so i just think it's important that maybe we reframe that a little bit within a compassionate concept too for the individual but like what feelings do we have for the people who got cheated out of their money yeah. Do we have the same well, compassion for the, for them and, because... and, and, and to, to clarify what, what you're saying is that like, I mean, there were instances where let's say that card would have gone for 1200 bucks where that right. person ended up having to pay 1600, right? Yes. Like regardless yeah. of, of if the individual would have paid it at the end, if they won it, I mean, at the end of the day, like those bids increase the bids, right? Correct. Like you can't, you can't say that, that that didn't have an impact on the, on the final value of that card. No matter That's how right. many other bids came in afterwards or whatever. Like, right. I think right. that you, so, had, you had a hand in, in the final sale price of that card, right? So And so how are those people sort of compensated for what has, has now happened to them? I, I'm not sure that there's a clear way. And, and it, so again, within that concept of the compassion argument, I think it's fine to have compassion for the individual. But we we just quickly jump over the anonymous hobby participants that were also harmed and sort of don't really have the same level of compassion with, for them, which means that we're back to this idea of escalating individuals and some of their issues over the health of the hobby. And I just I continue to believe that that's just a dangerous precedent yeah. to continue to set because it, it, it ultimately it ultimately continues to drive home this idea of me versus you. And I think those types of environments continue to attract people that are willing to rationalize away certain, you know, behaviors and activities to the detriment of all of us. And it, yeah. and it 
it just pulls the ethical standard further and further down and it begins to normalize these types of behaviors. And, and so it's a, it's a tricky balance, but it's why I had been so outspoken about it because I just don't see enough people covering it. And like someone I can think of, and I, I told you I was going to do this, right? You know, Cage had had him on his program a number of times, you know, had many times kind of reposted things and, and, and done a lot in terms of helping to promote his spot in the hobby. Mm-hmm. And yet there's, to me personally, there's sort of a deafening silence now that he, that Cage hasn't sort of addressed this in kind of any meaningful way, at least not that I've seen, right? And 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 that to me again gets back to the this influencer concept of of if we're going to give people credibility, and and certainly this guy had gotten a lot of credibility and it had was you know part of the fun year cards and had grown this nice following. He was on a top commercial. Things. Yeah, yes, was on a top yeah. commercial, yes. right? Yeah. I mean, it's not as if he wasn't given an opportunity yeah. to be able to do some things. And yet here we sit and it's just like silence. Right. But, but where, what, like, are, what are, like what are these same people doing in terms of trying to benefit cards. other people that are trying to grow their brand or trying to do their thing. Right. It, yeah. it, so it becomes this weird, um, it becomes this weird beauty contest in a sense of like, who's either the prettiest or kind of the strangest. And like there, there's there's no additional sort of vetting concept. And again, there's no responsibility on the back end if you back the wrong horse. And I, I just think that those, you know, Brendan, I grew up with the concept that like a, a big way that people are able to kind of define who you are is the company that you keep. And and that's how I approach my life. And it's a lot how I also approach the hobby. And I think that that's important and I hope people will take it hard and think about it a little bit more, which not to say don't have compassion, you should, mm-hmm. but there's also a level of consequence that kind of makes sense. And, and I think I've tried to articulate the best I can. I don't really think this cost him necessarily that much. We'll see. I, the hobby can be pretty forgiving. And, and I think Are several you, people have sort of laid forgiving? out the path for him to Are walk down if he wants to come back in. Mastro was at the National, wasn't he? <laughs> yes. And he was on Probstein and like we, so yeah. Anyway. Well, let's talk about that's what it. we can I'm do. Off, about... I'm off that soapbox. Yes. As I said, let's talk about what, what we can do about all this though. So Bill, aka Ephus Pitch, and yeah. I don't know who else is involved. Uh, in in creating the initial petition, so do you want to well, talk a little about I'll, that? Well, I'll 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 include me because okay. I did. There, I, I, there was a small group, maybe. Well, it, I'll let Bill address that if he wants. But a small group, including me, that saw it before it was um, put to the masses. But yeah, I think Bill has Bill had become frustrated. Um, primarily on the manufacturing side. Yep. And so, you know, was looking for a mechanism to try and gather, you know, a broader level of hobby support to, you know, raise some questions and issues that we, that he felt like were important to the broader group of collectors as, and, 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 you know, wanted to use the petition as a mechanism to try to communicate that you know, in a, in a more formal way to the guys at Tops and Fanatics. Yeah. And 
you know, what we've unfortunately kind of, I think, seen with this effort goes to what, you know, I call hobby rule number one. Hobby's but lazy. The hobby is lazy. Uh, but also, as you know, as a personal trainer, otherwise, People in general people, are just people, lazy. Period. So it's, this isn't this isn't a hobby no, specific. It's not a hobby specific. Thing. It's no. not hobby specific. It's no. it's human to human specific. Yeah. Um, are you sure it's not human? But yeah, specific? we just hasn't. It just it doesn't hasn't seemed to quite resonate or pop yet. And you know the suggestions that are in there are things like you know give the give the real pack odds right. Talk about the production runs. Um, you know, commit to certain levels of consistency around products and or what's been what is inserted into it, right? Some of the historical uh, types of cards and series within the hobby and, and some of the you know different products. And uh, so you know, relatively, I think reasonable i mean i signed the petition yeah so because uh, I. I saw no reason not to yeah uh but you know well, i mean we... ultimately what's he, what, what he's asking for is just more transparency right yeah, and i think yeah. and i think we can i think we can all do with i think we can all do wonders with more transparency right like right. more transparency gives me more information to to be able to make a sound decision right like at the end of the day yeah. it makes it a little bit easier for you to make decisions you get consumer confidence. You get the confidence from from the again. Hobby, the idea, the idea right? is like, more information should yeah. allow for greater confidence That's... and greater understanding of what you're doing, which I think Bill and I certainly believe would lead to a greater level and a easier level of commerce. Yes, which is which we yeah. all are are suggesting and are yeah. and are you know conceptually with fanatics yeah. around the idea of. More commerce is better for everyone. Yeah. A bigger pie will allow not only more people to be involved, but more people to build businesses, to hire employees, to expand the types of collecting that they do, et cetera. Yeah. So, so that in that concept, knowledge of this stuff is powerful because it, it should yield a more informed decision. Yeah. But I, you know, hobby participants seem unable to or in many instances unwilling to sort of get behind that there's there's 100 percent a fear of signing on by a certain by some of the segments of business owners or influences in the hobby i, I believe that 100 percent because they're they have a fear that if their name appears on it there could be repercussions or reprimand taken against them. We we've heard that. Yeah, but we just talked about there being no no repercussions for someone <laughs> shilling. So what repercussions could there be for signing a petition? I you know some people think that they could have like their allocations cut because their name appeared on it. Isn't or, it crazy though? Isn't it crazy that like we're talking? Well, I, about I think it's crazy signing, because signing a petition. There's worse repercussions I mean, than there are for actually like shilling. Brendan, I I think that at a high level, tops and fanatics don't really they don't really listen to very many of us at all. It's a, it's a small group, uh, and 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 prim, you know primarily business owners, breakers, those types. I mean, we've I, I don't I'm not speculating on this. We've seen that this is true because like they're not they're not putting out uh, hobby uh, questionnaires no. or 
preferences or anything like that that I've seen. And I've talked to enough people that even if they didn't include me, which I'd understand if they didn't want to, yeah. um, people that I know would get it don't get those things. So I don't believe they really listen to you that much as and until maybe you're critical enough of them. And then I think in a few instances, we may have seen that they'll spare, they will spare no time or no effort whatsoever to try to discredit you or to potentially reprimand you in one of these ways, which is sort of awkward. Uh, or if they just don't like you, they just block you. Now, in my world, if someone's blocked you, that means whatever you said, because I try to be at least a little bit reasonable and funny. I know other people aren't, right? Yeah. And that's why they get blocked because they're unreasonable. But like in instances where I know I've gotten blocked, I think it's mostly because I the, the dart hit near enough to the bullseye <laughs> that it became... David, I, uncomfortable. Have, David, I have no no comment on the subject matter, David. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I am no contest. <laughs> That's fine. I won't I won't tell everybody who did it That's to good. you then. That's good. Um, I mean, to be honest, I, I did I did I, I was like I had a nice little I was in Instagram jail this weekend too though. Yeah, you were. Yeah. But you got out, thankfully. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, no, so again, in my mind, the petition was a mechanism for poppy participants broadly to agree that these were the sorts of issues that were important to us. And, it, and then if we could build enough of a voice through that process to then have this kind of formal thing out there, then fanatics and tops will have, you know, and even Panini by extension. Will have received some information that I think would be useful that they could take, you know, take in, think about, and decide what's the right outcome from this. And then, you, and you it's know, organized. I'm, I'm sure, you know what I mean? It's it's organized. Yeah, like, it's put together. It's not a bunch yeah, of people just like, yelling, again, yelling at Instagram and, stories. And Brendan, the, the, the the point of it too was not to be, you know, it, it wasn't intended to be in like this combative sort no, of fashion. No, exactly. It was, it was meant to be informational to them, and the idea yeah. being that if this one would take. Then we could do, you could do a series of follow-ons with, for instance, you, you know, eBay or consignment houses, auction houses more broadly, right? Uh, we you could give input into things about, you know, local card shops. We we could absolutely sort of address uh, the, the some of the issues that exist in the breaking world and and get it some of those platforms. Fanatics Live, obviously coming up but like whatnot and loop that had historically been your yeah. big breaking platforms or your YouTube lives lives and these sorts of things. Like I, I, I think that, that that was really gonna it's a it's a mechanism that potentially gives each of our individual voices a little a little bit more amplification as a group. But you know again the hobby the hobby's lazy and I and I just think that there's been a big resistance to it uh either you know out of laziness or out of fear that there could be some reprimand because like if you're doing okay with it and you have those relationships at some level already there your financial incentives to be quiet are really really high which yeah. is certainly a criticism we've had obviously of a lot of the influencers yeah yeah, like, yeah. i don't have sponsors 
And so I don't really have to worry about that. Now, you know, my mouth may be preventing me from having some sponsors because I'm I'm willing to be critical, but I'm I'm trying to be reasonably critical yeah. and not just like, hey, this was dumb. Yeah, I try to yeah. say I don't like it. Here's why I don't like it. And to the extent I can give a a a, a better solution, yeah. I will. And 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 that I think is something that could be valuable to all the different businesses across the hobby. But until we decide to collectively, you know, kind of empower our bigger voice, I just I just don't know why I'd be why anyone would want to deal with it. Yeah. Right. Outside of an outside regulator, if somebody catches something from a state attorney general that decides this breaking is actually gambling or that freaking mail fraud, bro. Yes. Yes. Like, you know, is that (laughs) is that really our only mechanism to settle these things is somebody has to get in a courtroom and fight it out. Then, you know, we're we're all kind of in we're all in sort of big trouble. So it's just it's, it's been concerning that this hobby is the hobby is becoming less and less recognizable from what it had been for, for certainly for guys like me and Bill that have been, or they're a little bit older and been around. And, and that, that's just, that's the challenge we're trying to issue uh, specifically to, to even some of these younger guys that are building businesses or whatever is like, if you want change to happen and you can't get it on your own, there, there may be a better path. And th- this one seemed like pretty low risk one but uh and 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 again man it was easy to, it wasn't that hard to do brendan you had to yeah. click a couple buttons through to some websites so like if people aren't willing to do that then they're i mean they're probably not really willing to do anything no i would agree with you dave i want to thank you so much for jumping on here and uh helping articulate some some pretty uh important thoughts and ideas and, and, you know, discussing subject matters that a lot of people might not be willing to discuss and, and giving your honest opinion that critical, but always, you know, providing solutions. And so I really appreciate you jumping on here with me today. Um, team, if you haven't already, please go check out the petition. You go to EFIS underscore pitch Instagram, just click the link in bio and you'll be taken there. I'm not saying you need to sign it. I'm just saying, take a look at it. Just see, check it out. Check it out. It's something that, you know, resonates with you and, uh, something you, you might want to get behind in terms of just a little bit more transparency for print runs and stuff of that nature. And uh, uh, team, I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Cardboard Coach. Dave, thank you so much for, for joining. Thanks and for having me. Thank you. If you haven't already, you need to check out Signed and Slabbed uh, on Instagram, yep. on YouTube now. He's been posting YouTube. regularly on YouTube. I I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah. I'll, I'll connect to you on the YouTube. Don't worry. And uh, yeah, man, reach out to him. Enjoy his content. He's got some great stuff. Team, I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Cardboard Coach and Dave from Sinus Lab are out. Peace.